Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. At the end of last year, the vaccine rollout in the United States wasn't looking so great. Supply was tight, scheduling an appointment was difficult for many, There were fewer than 3 million doses administered in the entire country by the end of December, and that was over a couple of weeks. I remember when it came to getting my own parents vaccinated, it was quite a mission. Yeah, I don't remember any time waiting that much for anything. I had everything lined up to just get ready in five minutes. So that's what we did. We left about 1.15, we left, and we were here at 1.30. That's 1.30 in the morning. My mom and dad ended up camping out in lawn chairs for nine hours to get their first shots. It was like waiting in line to get a ticket to the Rolling Stones. Whenever I make up my mind, I want to get that thing get done. Fast forward to today, and things are really different. The United States has hit its stride, vaccinating on average more than three million people every day. Even with the news last week that the use of the Johnson & Johnson COVID-19 vaccine is paused here in the United States, the pace of vaccinations is not expected to change or to slow down. The White House said last week that there is enough supply of the Moderna and Pfizer vaccines to continue vaccinating roughly 3 million people a day. So how did we do it? How did we really increase supply, streamline appointment scheduling, and get so many more vaccines into arms so quickly? On today's episode, we're going to take a closer look at what the United States got right. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta. CNN's chief medical correspondent. And this is Coronavirus, Fact versus Fiction. There's never been a vaccine rollout like this before. That's Claire Hannon. She's the executive director of the Association of Immunization Managers. That's a nonprofit organization that works with representatives in each state to improve immunization coverage in the United States. On every level, this is unprecedented. The, the packaging of 1,170 doses, the, the dry ice, the ultra-cold storage, the mixing with the diluent, the three different vaccine regimens with different days apart. I mean, th- there's just so much going on that's unprecedented and, and brand new. Hannon has been helping out with immunization efforts for nearly two decades. And she says one of the things that's been unusual about this COVID-19 vaccine effort is how quickly even long-standing obstacles to vaccine distribution and tracking actually got resolved. Our immunization information systems are different in every state, and they don't necessarily connect with each other. You know, we've been trying to work on that over the years, but there's, but there's privacy laws. There are things that have prevented that. And yet in 10 months, we now have vaccine administration data going into every state system going to a a federally managed cloud so we can look on the COVID tracker every day and see how many people have been vaccinated. This, it's just unprecedented. I've I've really never heard it like laid out quite like that before. And when you describe it that way, how would you sort of characterize the initial rollout? When you look at how efficient the vaccine was, 
how we were in getting it into arms. Um, you know, we definitely didn't do as quickly as you would want in a pandemic. You know, we thought that trying to vaccinate healthcare workers in their place of work, you know, let's let's get the vaccine to hospitals and let's let them vaccinate their employees where they work, you know, that this would be a really efficient strategy, but it wasn't the most efficient strategy. And the long-term care facility program, what a wonderful collaboration, right? To have CVS and Walgreens step up and say, we're gonna go into every nursing home and vaccinate. But, you know, they couldn't do every nursing home overnight. So we quickly saw that it was going to take more time. You know, I, I am curious about this, this, um, this idea of prioritizing certain people. Uh, in some ways, it made perfect sense, right? You say, well, the vaccine is good at preventing illness, so let's give it to those people who are most vulnerable first. In retrospect, was that a mistake? When you have limited supply, you have to start somewhere. And it does make sense for the prioritization to be based on the science of the virus. Um, so I think that made sense. But the prioritization guidance came a little bit late. Uh, you know, I think that they really wanted to look at the data around the vaccine and the data wasn't available, you know, until the clinical trial ended and, and until they actually submitted the data for authorization. And at that point, we're very close to having the vaccine. So, I, you know, I think if we, we were to look back and say, you know, how could we be more efficient Somehow we would need to get that prioritization and get those strategies out a little bit earlier, I think. Yeah, why, why didn't it come earlier? Because we, we, we had a good idea of who the virus was most likely affecting, you know, way before the authorization eventually came for the vaccine. Why wasn't that done earlier? I think there was a real desire to um, maintain trust in the process and trust in the vaccine and trust in the data review. And you have to remember that the time, you know, the stressful time we were in as a country, not only with the pandemic, but with the election and, you know, a, a number of divisive things going on that trust in the vaccine was so important that, you know, looking at the data and going through that significant review process and getting authorization before actually putting out detailed guidance on who should get it, um, you know, and, and I think that did that did provide assurance to the public that the vaccine was safe and effective. We're now administering more than 3 million doses a day, uh, which, is, which is pretty remarkable. What do you attribute that to? What was the biggest change? It's really been all hands on deck. I mean, um, you know, we enrolled tens of thousands of private providers. We have the retail pharmacy program where the federal government enrolled um, the retail chains and networks that go across states. Um, you know, we have hospitals, um, federally qualified health centers, community health centers. And I mean, you have to really credit the Trump administration for having the vision and the foresight to invest in the vaccine and to contract with, you know, six different promising candidates so that vaccine would be there. And then the Biden administration coming in and really setting a national vision, setting goals, pushing providers, pushing states, shoring up the production so that the supply would be there, lending FEMA support, the resources given to the federal and state. I feel like we've just had success in different areas with different providers, different philosophies, from highly efficient to mobile, and it's paying off. Let me just ask you, if I can, just about a couple of states here, because I think sometimes we look at the entire country and we try to, try to paint a picture, but 
th- th- there are differences uh, within certain states. In Georgia, for example, uh, 66% of the vaccine that's out there has actually been administered. So, so what's, what's going on? Why is uh, a place like Georgia moving so slowly? Yeah, you know, that's like the million dollar question. Maybe there's lower demand in some of the southern states. Um, you know, we're seeing that lower demand in rural areas. But some states that started out slower, you know, like, like a Wisconsin where they were spreading vaccine across more providers, um, it wasn't quite as efficient in the initial weeks. Uh, but, you know, wow, they've caught up. So, you know, maybe things will turn in Georgia. You know, it's one of those things where every state is different and, and the population and, and the demand is also different. What, what do you think is the biggest challenge going forward now? You know, I think the biggest challenge is going to be getting that last percentage of people vaccinated. What we've really done to this point is we've vaccinated everybody that wants that vaccine. And it's incredible, right? We vaccinated 20% of the population. The next 20% or so, right, is ready to go. You know, we just are opening it up to 16 and older. But that next 20 after that, that's going to be the real challenge. And we're going to have to do everything that we can. We're going to have to to use community leaders, church leaders. We're going to have to take the vaccine to people. We're going to have to get it to their to private physicians. And, we, we, you know, that's the next step is getting the vaccine into private physician offices so that, you know, people who might not be comfortable going to a, a mass vaccination site can get it from their physician, can get it from their medical home. Um, and then, you know, we've got the children. So, you know, that's going to be the next challenge, too, is, is once that we have determined the vaccine is safe and, and effective in children, I think that's coming down to 12-year-olds soon, then we've got to get kids vaccinated. And it's probably a mixture of what we're already doing, but also we need to include the pediatricians. And, you know, we may even need to include schools in this mix to get the kids vaccinated. The canon is right. As supply of the vaccine continues to expand across the country and more eligible people get their shot, we're eventually going to see demand start to decline. It's going to be hard to get enough people vaccinated to reach that critical threshold of herd immunity. And the pause on the J&J vaccine may complicate that further. But still, when you consider how much progress we've seen with the vaccination effort over the last few months, I do think there's a lot to still be optimistic about. While increasing the supply of the vaccine has been a huge part of the United States' success, we can't forget about the other important pieces as well. The efficiency of mass vaccination sites, the streamlined IT systems operated by pharmacies, and the public messaging to educate people about the safety of the vaccines. There's a lot more work that lies ahead, no question, but in a year of tragic events, it does feel good to report on something we're doing right. If you have questions, please record them as a voice memo and email them to asksanjay at cnn.com. We might even include them on the next podcast. We'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. 